I'm Tendime, the beast from Tahrira, and you're watching Rugby Wrap-Up. Next on Rugby Wrap-Up, a Springboks legend they call the beast. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by Sheehy Auto Stores. It's easy at Sheehy. The Pig and Whistle, the world's best rugby pump, and Lean and Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy in Manhattan. That's New York City, but we've got our big guest over across not only the pond, but the sea and the hemispheres. And it happens to be none other than Tendai Mtuarira. And our man, Barry Herbert, your biggest fan, is on location in South Africa. But unfortunately, the feed doesn't work, so I'm going to have to ask all of his great questions. You know, a lot of people also know you as simply the beast. And full disclosure, I sat at a table with you in Washington, D.C. at the luncheon before the All Blacks uh, edged Team USA in that thriller. Uh, but I didn't realize how big you were. And so, but I, I didn't realize how tall you are because you're taller because you're so broad. You kind of you don't tr- your height doesn't really translate on TV, at least it didn't for me. Yeah, that's a fact. A lot of people always say that, you know, when they meet me, uh, you know, I'm a bit taller than they thought, uh, you know, I would be. And I think it's because maybe when I'm standing, uh, you know, next to guys like you yeah. and it's it, and, you know, all those giants, you know, those locks, you know, you might think I'm quite short, but I'm actually, yeah, not, not, not the shortest guy around there. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, that's it. You know, that these guys are monsters, but you know, I get why you're called the beast, except you were the nicest guy on the planet off the pitch. No, thank you. I do try. You know, that's always been probably my one of my biggest qualities. You know, I always uh, try and be polite and be kind to people. So, yeah, I value people. And yeah, that's that's my nature. So you're in Durban. Yes, I'm in Durban. I'm at home I'm with my family. Uh, I live out here. It's beautiful. Uh, it's right next to the coast. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, warm weather, yes, yeah, summer, so we're enjoying it. Yeah. Let's let's stop beating around the bush here. When I saw you, you looked like you could go out on the pitch in that All Blacks Team USA game for either side. When's the next time we could see you putting cleats on? <laughs> uh, I don't think there's a chance for that. Maybe in a in an old boys match or something, then you'll see me. But uh, I guess, you know, when it comes to professional rugby, um, you know, I've uh, closed that chapter now. You know, I was very privileged and blessed to play so many games, you know, over 300 uh, first-class games. So I'm content, you know, I walked away from the game with a smile on my face. So now I enjoy just being ambassador and helping grow the game. So I can put the rumors to rest that I have been spreading that you are coming back for the MLR. I think you can put them to rest. I'll, I'll be coming back to assist and help, you know, grow the game in the U.S., you know, but in terms of playing, nah, there's no chance of that. Even if you get an automobile from Paul Sheehy Motors? <laughs> hey, okay, that might be enticing. I know Paul See? might just sweet Paul, talk me out, you know. <laughs> Paul Sheehy Auto Works works wonders and miracles, so we, let's not rule it out. All right, so we'll leave it at that in terms of your, your playing career, but your, your future playing career, but your previous playing career was pretty darn good. 117 caps for South Africa? Yes, that's correct. 
And it, and with the Sharks, you had, I, I'm guessing, like 159 appearances. Yeah, Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah, you that gonna, sounds right. Yeah. Don't you want to round that out for a 160? <laughs> now, well, you know, the competition uh, in which I played and got those many caps was Super Rugby, and now it's been scraped off. You know, this it's no longer there. So I think for, yeah, you know, the remainder of history, I'm going to be the most capped South African player ever to have played in the Super Rugby. So it's quite a cool record yeah. to have. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I mean, there's some great names that you're, you're amongst the list of, and to be on the top of that is phenomenal. Yeah, no, it is an incredible honor, you know. In that vein, let's go back to 2009. British and Irish Lions Tour. A young Tendai is up against a veteran, Phil Vickery. Would you say, true or false, that your scrummaging against Vickery was the difference in that match? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a, yeah, it was definitely a massive uh, foundation for you know, for that victory. I think, you know, it wasn't just me, you know, obviously I got the accolades, you know, of, you know, um, you know, dismantling such a, a big figure like Fuel Vickery, but, you know, the guys behind me and, uh, you know, the guys around me uh, made, uh, you know, the difference, guys like Bismarck Duplessis, uh, our captain John Smith, and also the guys in the back, Victor Madfield, you might be, you might be familiar with some, some of Some big names, yeah, literally so. and figuratively. <laughs> exactly. So they, they all played, a, you know, a big role in, in us, you know, winning that first test match and getting momentum in that series. But you were a man of the match in that particular game, right? Yes, I was. I yes, was, you were. So. And then the next one, Adam Jones stepped in. You want another crack at Adam? Because he kind of he kind of had a pretty good game, right? Yeah, he did. He did. And I have got a lot of respect for you know, for Adam Jones, he's probably one of the toughest scrummages I ever faced. And, uh, you know, he really came to make amends uh, for what happened in the first test match. And unfortunately, he was stretched off after, I think, just early on in the second half. You know, he couldn't finish the game because uh, his shoulder was out of place. Uh, How'd that happen, uh, Tendai? <laughs> oh, that was... Uh, a little bit oh, of the dark arts going on there. There was a bit of dark arts, but uh, it was talkies, you know. I, I was so glad that uh, I never obviously played a test match against him. Uh, he was, you know, he didn't want to be in Iraq when that guy was coming clean. So Adam Jones, unfortunately, was the victim, you know. <laughs> so, I love how a guy named the Beast could say you don't want to be in Iraq when that guy's coming at you. How do you think the reciprocal is on the other side yeah. of it, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a fact. At least I know, you know. Uh, certain guys, I had to be careful, and Bucky's was that one guy, you know. Toughest player you played against? Richie McCool, uh, no doubt. Um, I think he was a problem for any team that he played against, um, especially when we played against him from a Sharks point of view in Super Rugby when he played for the Crusaders. You know, he was just relentless. You know, the guy didn't stop working. When you looked at him, you know, his body, um, you know, he looked like a soccer player. Right. <laughs> but he was tough as nails. Like, the guy would just never give up. He'd keep on fighting. And the same, you know, that same kind of uh, passion he took into the old black jersey. And, you know, and he won, and he won so many test matches, won back-to-back -back World Cups. So probably the one guy that I respect, you know, highly above any other opponent. What was the favorite moment in your rugby career? 
Uh, my favorite moment was my last one <laughs> in a Springbok jersey. Uh, you know, winning that that William Webelis trophy in Japan was uh, the best feeling ever. You but know, you guys were never going to beat England. <laughs> exactly. We win the, we you guys couldn't beat. You can't beat England. They beat the All Blacks. You're done. Why even play the match? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, I guess that just put in extra motivation because, yeah, you know, we were the true underdogs. You know, England had just, you know, um, beaten, you know, um, a champion um, All Black side. So it gave us a lot of motivation, man. So I think they, had, they probably had a bit of complacency going into that final and it played in our favor. And, uh, you know, I probably had one of my best performances in a Springbok jersey. So, yeah. Is there any moment that was the worst moment in your rugby career? Any regret? I think the one regret um, I've got is that I never won a Super Rugby title. You know, I played so many Super Rugby matches. But uh, my team, the Sharks, we played in three finals um, and we didn't win. So <laughs> that's the one trophy that I don't have in my cabinet. So that would be my, my one regret. All right, fair enough. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about your transition to America and old glory in Major League Rugby. We'll be right back with the Beast. Looking for your next vehicle? With Shee's Easy Search, choose from over 3,000 new and used vehicles. Shop, trade, or buy online or in store. We make it easy with our award winning service. It's easy at If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. With the beast, ladies and gentlemen, and if you if you don't know him, you you really need to get out of the, your cave or your co you come out of your coma, come out of your wherever you're in, because this is one of the best rugby players to ever play on the face of the earth. You came over after that World Cup win to play for Old Glory, DC, in our nation's capital here in America in Major League Rugby. How in the hell did that happen? <laughs> Oh, it's actually quite a funny story. Um, so uh, one of my best mates uh, lives in New Jersey. Um, we went to school together back in Zimbabwe. And, um, you know, whilst I was playing rugby in South Africa, he reached out to me, said, hey, would you be interested in, in the prospects of actually playing in the US? So at that time, you know, it was early 2019. Um, and, uh, you know, I just brushed it off. I'm like, hey, you know, I want to focus on preparing, you know, and getting myself in the base shape, you know, as possible for the World Cup, you know, and make sure that I obviously get selected. So I, I was like, nah, you know, and I was thinking in my head, possibly, you know, I'll go to France, you know, because that is what was the destination of choice. France, D.C., <laughs> France, D.C. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was, uh, you know, the seed was planted then when he spoke to me, but I didn't know behind the scenes he was uh, talking to uh, Paul Shee, uh and Chris Dunleavy, you know, um, in D.C. and just kind of saying, um, you know, this guy, we have to get him here. He will be instrumental in, 
in growing the league, you know, being a marquee player. So, you know, all this was going on behind the scenes. So when I finished off, um, you know, my Springbok career and I was busy contemplating, you know, where should I go play? And, um, you know, I thought to myself, how about doing something more meaningful other than just going for the money? Uh, what about an opportunity to actually go and go, grow the game of rugby, you know, globally? And what a better place, you know, what are the better places than the U.S.? You know, I love the U.S. already. So uh, I just, uh, yeah, you know, kind of took it quite seriously and decided to make contact with Paul Shee. And we um, <laughs> we met, <laughs> we met in, in New Jersey. I flew over with my family um, for, an, for a holiday. We went to Orlando. We went to Disney World and all of that. So after that trip, we traveled all the way to, um, uh, to New York. And I met with Paul Shee and the deal was done in a boardroom of one of the hotels there in New Jersey. And literally we sat down and discussed and, you know, I made that decision because Paul just kind of sold it to me in a, in a, in a really positive way and said that what we're trying to do here, uh, you know, is quite big, man. And your legacy is even going to be greater, you know, if you uh, partake in this journey with us. So I was sold, man, and that's how the decision was made. So it was shock to the you know it was a big shock to the rest of the world, but for me it was uh, super exciting and a nice way to finish off my career. It almost sounds kind of like Sopranos because it's like you know, in a back room in a hotel in, a, in New Jersey. How you doing? You're gonna make we got an offer for you. You can't refuse. <laughs> like the Godfather meets the Sopranos with Paul Sheehy as the Don, <laughs> right? Exactly. No, he's definitely the Don, and. Uh, yeah, you know, he, he's a great guy, got, got a great heart. And that's probably one of the things that really, um, you know, um, resonated to me and made me, made that decision easier, you know. All right. So you got dinged up, ironically enough, over here in playing with All Glory. So you, and then the season was shortened by COVID. So your career over here was shortened, right? But your impact was immediate off the pitch with kids and the organization and you know for people like me covering the sport it was an electric moment when the announcement came out that you were coming over what was something that surprised you the most about the american rugby landscape oh, i think you know what surprised me the most was the you know the the interest and the appetite you know actually uh, among the young kids for the game of rugby because uh, whilst I was in DC, I was doing a lot of work with inner city school kids. So um, I was uh, coaching with the Washington Youth Rugby uh, guys. So you know, I, I was impressed with the amount of you know young kids that really wanted to just learn. You know, this talented, you know, uh, young boys and girls. You know, that are so agile. You know, so fast. I'm like, geez, if they had to grasp the the skill set, um, you know, of a rugby player, they would just blow up, you know. So, yeah, yeah that is something that really like uh, impressed me. So I think that you know the US is is still a sleeping giant, and when all the you know all the the, the those young kids, you know, grassroots, you know, are just uh, you know um, you know empowered and given the skill set that they need to thrive, I think that we you know the USA will be a, a powerful force in world rugby. On the global scale, what do you think world rugby needs to do to really 
get the game to grow once and for all, because there's a lot of lip service about the sleeping giant and all that stuff. And then seemingly nothing happens. I think there needs to be a more investment, you know, um, in, in rugby, you know, especially at grassroots level, because that's where, you know, that's where the catchment area is because, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, talent that is lost, you know, uh, merely because maybe there's no structures, you know, um, and, um, you know, those kids just don't have a league to aspire to play in. So I believe that, you know, there needs to be a, a huge investment in grassroots rugby and as well a, a major focus on girls rugby because I really believe that girls rugby will just elevate the game of rugby, you know, overall. And uh, I think, you know, yeah, the girls need to be put on a pedestal. I think the World Cup is next year in New Zealand. There needs to be, uh, you know, uh, just a, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, marketing, you know, amplifying that World Cup because when we get girls rallying behind anything, I think that's when it becomes an ultimate success. So that's where I kind of see uh, World Rugby, you know, uh, putting their focus on. So hopefully that will just happen within the next couple of years and we'll see rugby, you know, grow in a massive way globally. On the local level, when you were back here in D.C., did you see any, uh, like, players on the American landscape that you said, this is a player? Yeah, you know, I saw quite a few guys. Um, I think what impressed me the most um, was, uh, you know, the, the young uh, talent. I went to the Navy Academy uh, to watch um, in San Diego play against Old Glory. And... You know, uh, my heart was, you know, was touched, you know, by just, you know, once again, the appetite and the hunger to learn mm. from this young kid. You know, I engaged with them and I spoke to them at halftime. And, you know, they had big eyes, you know, they're like, oh, beast is around. And, you know, it meant a hell of a lot, you know, that they look up to someone like me. So I could just see that there's so much talent there and that talent has to be, you know, harnessed, you know, and you know, nurtured because that's how, you know, USA rugby is going to blow up. You know, when we get all those young kids getting the right coaching, you know, getting the right facilities, you know, you're just going to draw in many more, you know, young kids as well. And, and all you need you know, is one kid here and there to make 35, right? Or 40, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that, that was the biggest thing for me, you know, after my trip to, to Old Glory and Washington, D.C., all right, you've seen some experimental changes and some some experimental laws, so to speak. What is, what are your views on how scrummaging is handled? I mean, you're you're the expert, and do you think it, it they're tinkering with it too much, too little? What's your what's your view on scrums? Yeah, I think um, I think the scrum is being overcomplicated. I think the scrum is quite simple. You know, it's two packs of eight going against each other and the one that's got forward momentum gets the reward. You know, so I think a lot of refs uh, need a lot of educating, you know, um, in terms of the scrum. I don't necessarily think that they understand what's going on. Um, probably about 90% of them. So I think they need to have maybe a scrum guru, um, somebody that's really respected worldwide to assist as referees to know how to assess, you know, because the amount of resets that take place in the game also, you know, prolong the game and hampers the, you know, the continuity that, you know, fans love to to watch and enjoy. 
So I believe that there's a lot of educating for referees that need to happen uh, at scrum time. And also, yeah, you know, with the laws, yeah, keep it simple, you know. Um, obviously, you got to make it safe. You don't want people breaking their necks. But the fact of the matter is that, yeah, just keep it as simple as possible and not overcomplicate over it. We've, we've talked about World Rugby. We've talked about the MLR. I want to get down to one specific question. Who is your favorite all-time teammate? <laughs> My favorite all-time teammate? I think it was uh, Bismarck Duplessis, uh, you know, because he was a, a good friend, uh, but he also pushed me. You know, so when when I kind of, you know, uh, rested on my laurels and uh, thought that I had made it and I was big, you know, he cut me down and humbled me, you know, and pushed me to to actually working harder, you know. And every time we would do extra sessions, you know, um, uh, on the field, in the gym, you know, and he'd always rally me in when I didn't feel like it. So he played a massive role in actually me achieving so many of these accolades uh, because rugby, you know, it's, it's a tough game. All right. So what's next for you? I've uh, transitioned now into my next chapter of life uh, and I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm in business. You know, I'm running a security business in South Africa as a CEO. I was always uh, uh, in the, in the security industry and invested in the biggest company in South Africa back uh, in 2005. I'm a shareholder there. So yeah, now I'm running a subsidiary as a CEO and I'm studying an MBA, a master's. <laughs> so, uh, it Wait a minute. I, me- smell, I smell Oxford here. I smell Oxford <laughs> or Cambridge and you playing in that match. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not. It's neither of them. Ah, come on. Let's be honest here. Nobody else is going to hear. We we know what's going on here. I see what you're doing. I, this is what's happening. Ted, tell us about the foundation. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've started a foundation, uh, which is my vehicle of giving back uh, on the African continent. So, uh, you know, I'm uh, working with a lot of kids. You know, my mission is to inspire the youth. You know. Uh, through the platforms of sport, education, and life skills. So, you know, I'm uh, working on creating future leaders. And, uh, you know, I was always, you know, um, privileged in my career because I came from little to make it to the top, you know, and a lot of people invested in me along the way. So now I want to pass on the button to the next generation. So, yeah, you know, it's something that's really fulfilling, you know, and just elevates what I'm trying to do, you know, even in my other spheres of life. So, yeah, it's something really exciting. And uh, hopefully uh, a lot of people can support us, you know, in the projects we're embarking on. Well, you are a busy guy, busy, busy guy. I don't know how you're going to find time to be our rugby chorus, our rugby wrap-up correspondent for the United Rugby Championship. I don't know how you're going to find that time, but you're going to have to carve it out because we really need you <laughs> as a correspondent. No, I want it. I'll make my time, uh, you know, available. So you got to reach out to me anytime. Perfect. Perfect. All right. All right. So I'm going to let you go. You've been more than gracious and and, uh, generous with your time, but I I do have to go back to where we started sort of because your Wikipedia page says that you're playing for all glory. So everything on the internet is true. Tendai. So it must be true that you are coming back and you just (laughs) haven't made the announcement yet. Oh, Hey man, maybe I'm keeping you in suspense. You know, I'm playing the long game. So (laughs) you never like that. I like that. I like that. How do you keep an idiot in suspense? I'll tell you tomorrow. That's what that's the story of my life. On that note, we are out of time. I want to thank 
the Beast, a.k.a. Tendai Mtuorira in Durban for coming on Rugby Wrap-Up. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. For The Beast, I'm Matt McCarthy in New York. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, check out our other segments, including the College Rugby Wrap-Up, our lively chat with rugby legends Dick Spring and George Hook, and look out for our upcoming United Rugby Championship shows.